0: T H K News. It's one o'clock. I'm Cecil Wong. The headlines: A top microbiologist says all kindergarteners need to be given flu vaccines. New figures show developers started work on just two thousand flats over the last quarter of 2018. That's down 74 percent year on year. And pan pandem- Democrats say they're still hoping to convince the government to cancel a planned change in eligibility for elderly welfare. A top microbiologist says Hong Kong needs to start vaccinating all kindergarteners against the flu. And the current outbreaks, which have forced the government to suspend classes at all kindergartens and childcare centers from tomorrow, reflects a failure in the city's healthcare system. Dr. Hopak Lung says the early closure should really have been ordered a week ago to slow down the spread of flu, because officials shouldn't have only focused on the number of flu cases, but the city's overcrowded hospitals as well.
1: There is a need for us to rethink how we should implement a better primary health care system. In particular, how to vaccinate children attending school, especially those in kindergarten and primary school. Looking at the result from the pilot scheme of outreaching teams going to schools to give influenza vaccine. This seems to be a highly effective strategy. So I hope the government will uh, seriously consider expanding the service to not only all the primary schools, but also uh, all the kindergartens and daycare centres in the coming
0: year. New government figures show developers started work on just 2,000 flats over the last quarter of 2018. That's down 74% year on year. Analysts say developers are taking a cautious approach, with property prices coming down over the past few months, and in light of government plans to impose a vacancy tax on unsold flats. But despite the slowdown in the final quarter, the number of flats started for the whole of 2018 was up 8% at 18,400. The government's estimates of the total number of flats to be made available in the coming three to four. Years Remains unchanged at 93,000. Pro-democracy lawmakers are still lobbying for a last-minute meeting with the chief executive Carrie Lam in hopes that they can convince her to cancel plans to tighten age requirements for elderly welfare before the change is implemented in a week's time. Yesterday, pan-democrats walked out of a meeting with the acting CE Matthew Cheung after he refused to back down. The minimum age for elderly welfare is to be raised from 60 to 65 starting next month. But Labour Party lawmaker Fernando Chung says the government's not thought this through, and he's still hoping to convince Mrs. Lam that the change won't be effective in getting more elderly people to rejoin the workforce. It's apparent to us that uh, Matthew Jones could not make the call. The call was rested with Carrie Lam herself, um, and that I think she still has time to meet with us prior to February 1st. And we still want to make that uh, last bit of effort to try to stop this draconian measure. Customs officers have arrested a man for allegedly trying to smuggle in almost 2 million cigarettes from the mainland, hidden inside portable toilets inside the lorry he was driving. The 54-year-old suspect had declared that he was only bringing in nine portable toilets, but officers at the Lokma Chau checkpoints quickly found the undutied cigarettes worth almost $5 million. Here's the visual commander, Brian Chen.
1: The syndicate using two uh, uh, empty <coughs> mobile toilets as a, as a cover, and then the, the real cigarette is inside between the, the, the seven units of mobile uh, toilets. So that's why. But actually, we, we have advanced technology uh, and equipment. For example, the x-ray machine and, and display in the monitor, uh, there are two density and, and color showing the, the differences because the empty and filled with cigarette is differences. So that's why we open examination, the seven units, and we found the cigarettes.
0: Following a political backlash back home, Canada's ambassador to China, John McCollum, says he misspoke and regrets his comment regarding the legal proceedings of Huawei executive Meng Wenzhou. On Wednesday, he said she had a strong case against extradition to the United States, where she is accused of violating sanctions on Iran. Ms. Meng was arrested in Vancouver last month, sparking a diplomatic crisis between Ottawa and Beijing. Two Canadians have since been detained on the mainland, and a third placed on death row in what's seen as a retaliation by Beijing. Billionaire investor and philanthropist George Soros has spoken out against Beijing's use of technology, describing President Xi Jinping as the most dangerous enemy of free societies for developing a high-tech surveillance regime. Here's Sean Kennedy. George Soros's dinner speeches are normally a talking point at the World Economic Forum in Switzerland, and this one was no exception. He said China is not the only authoritarian regime in the world, but it is the wealthiest, strongest, and technologically most advanced. That, he said, makes Xi Jinping the most dangerous opponent of open societies. He pointed to Beijing's use of technology to monitor and control its citizens, and took aim at Chinese technology giants ZTE and Huawei. Mr Soros said if these companies are allowed to dominate the 5G market, it would be an unacceptable security risk for the world. He said that instead of taking on practically the whole world in trade conflicts, President Trump should concentrate on Huawei and ZTE. The Republican and Democratic leaders in the U.S. Senate have been holding talks to try to negotiate an end to the partial government shutdown now in its 34th day. Senators Mitch McConnell and Chuck Schumer are trying to agree a deal which would fund federal agencies for three weeks to allow for negotiations. President Donald Trump, who's insisting on funds for a border wall with Mexico, says people affected by the shutdown still support him. Many of those people that are not getting paid are totally in favor of what we're doing because they know the future of this country is dependent on having a strong border, especially a strong southern border, because we have tremendous violence and crime coming through that border. We have tremendous drugs. We have the human trafficking. And if we don't strengthen those borders, we're going to have a big problem in the future. Venezuela and the United States are locked in an escalating diplomatic confrontation after the U.S. recognized the opposition leader, Juan Guaido, as interim leader, infuriating President Nicolas Maduro. He said he was closing Venezuela's embassy and all consulates in the United States. He accused President Donald Trump of trying to engineer a
1: coup.
0: I think there's no doubt in the world that Donald Trump wants to bring in his own de facto unconstitutional government a coup d'etat in Venezuela against the people and democracy. Let there be no doubt that Donald Trump, in all his madness, believes himself to be the world's police, that he believes he's the boss of Latin America and the Caribbean. Washington has ordered all non-emergency personnel to leave Venezuela. The Secretary of State, Mike Pompeo, urged members of the Organization of American States to recognize Juan Guaido as Venezuela's interim president and called for his protection. The regime of former President Nicolas Maduro is illegitimate. We therefore consider all of its declarations and actions illegitimate and invalid. In light of these facts, we call on Venezuelan security forces to ensure the protection of interim President Guaido's physical integrity and his safety. But the U.S. diplomatic move prompted Russia, Turkey, Mexico, and Cuba to reaffirm their explicit support for President Maduro. The former First Minister of Scotland, Alex Salmond, has appeared in court in Edinburgh. He's facing 14 separate charges, including two of attempted rape, nine of sexual assault, and two indecent assault. The 64-year-old was for decades one of the leading figures in the Scottish National Party, campaigning for an independent Scotland. He led the Scottish government for seven years up to 2014. Outside court, he denied all wrongdoing. I I made it clear in order to respect the court that I would make no comment until proceedings had concluded. That I did in the the statement I made on the steps of the court of session two weeks ago. Now that these proceedings, criminal proceedings, are live, it is even more important to respect the court. And therefore, the only thing I can say is I refute absolutely these allegations of criminality. And I'll defend myself to the utmost... One of Brazil's few openly gay congressmen has said he will not serve a new term because of death threats. Jan Willis of the Socialism and Liberty Party is a well-known LGBT rights campaigner. The BBC's Kenneth Piat has more details.
1: Jean Willis told a Brazilian newspaper he felt powerless and his reputation had been destroyed by a campaign of fake news and lies. He said he'd been pushed and sworn at in the street. The threats had spread to his family. Mr Willis now plans to live abroad. Violence against gay people in Brazil, he said, had worsened since the October election of a far-right president, Jair Bolsonaro. Mr Bolsonaro had in the past made negative comments against the gay community.
0: Now, the doomsday clock created by the U.S.-based Bulletin of Atomic Scientists is to remain at two minutes to midnight for the second consecutive year, but it's that the major existential threats of nuclear weapons and climate change had been exacerbated during the past year. Professor Robert Rosner is chair of the Bulletin Science and Security Board. We are calling this the new abnormal, a disturbing reality in which things are not getting better. We appear to be normalizing a world in which the risks of nuclear warfare and climate change unchallenged are ever more present and are not being effectively dealt with. To make matters even worse, our ability to comprehend and act on these huge risks is increasingly degraded by information warfare that clouds the distinctions between fact and fiction. The clock device, conceived in 1947, represents a message for policymakers on perceived threats to the planet. Archaeologists in London have discovered the long-lost grave of the Royal Navy Captain Matthew Flinders, whose work helped popularize the name of Australia. His final resting place had been lost since his death in 1814. The BBC's David Silito reports. The voyages of Matthew Flinders were landmarks in the history of maritime exploration. He circumnavigated Australia, and his book, A Voyage to Terra Australis, was the inspiration for the country's name. But he died aged 40, just as his book was published. The exact site of his grave was a mystery. The headstone had long since disappeared. Now, 200 years on, archaeologists preparing for the building of the new high-speed rail terminal in London have discovered the nameplate from his coffin. The body will now be moved, along. With with the remains of 40,000 people buried here to an as-yet undisclosed new final resting ground. Now, a quick look at the market, and a short time ago the Hang Seng Index was at 27,462, 341 points up on the previous close. Turnover is at $57 billion. And in currencies, the U.S. dollar is trading at 109.8 yen. The euro is standing at 1 U.S. dollars and 13 cents. And the pound is worth 10 Hong Kong dollars and 29 cents. Sports now, and here's our sports reporter, Adam Cheung.
1: We start with football. It took penalties to separate Chelsea and Tottenham in their English League Cup semi-final.
0: David Luiz is going to go for glory for Chelsea. Big long run up, and he scores! He drives it low! Chelsea celebrate... Yet another cup final.
1: Chelsea are through to play Manchester City in the League Cup final after beating Spurs on penalties. Chelsea were 2-1 winners in a second leg at Stamford Bridge. More from the BBC's Betty Glover. It was never going to look good for Spurs going to penalties without three significant players. Harry Kane and Deli Alli out until March with injuries and Son Heung-min on international service. Tottenham's Eric Dier missed, then Luke Mora had his penalty saved by Kepper. It was then down to David Luiz to score the winner for Chelsea to send them to Wembley. Spurs went into the match with the upper hand, though, but first-half goals from N'Golo Kante and Eden Hazard gave Chelsea a 2-1 aggregate lead at the break. In the second half, Spurs came out fighting and it paid off. A Fernando Llorente goal in the 50th minute changed the narrative of the game and forced it to penalties. Marcelo Lippi signed off as coach of China with a 3-0 final defeat to Iran at the Asian Cup. It was a sloppy game in Abu Dhabi as all three goals were conceded through defensive errors. The result means Lippi has finished his three years as China coach with a losing record. Through 30 games, the Italian recorded 10 wins, 9 draws and 11 defeats. Japan beat Vietnam 1-0 and will play Iran for a place in the Asian Cup final. Ritsu Doan won a VAR penalty and converted it for the game's only goal. But Japan defender Maya Yoshida says they were far from their best.
0: I'm not satisfied with the performance today, but I'm really happy with, to win through the next round. Because I think every, every team not play every game fantastic games, like uh, even Real Madrid or Manchester City, sometimes they play ball, sometimes difficult game, but they win. Of course, I understand. We need to improve, especially we have to be more clinical. We have to reduce our the mistakes because the next game, semi final, is going to be more tough. But I can say that uh, because we won.
1: Finally, the sixth and final leg of the UCI Track Cycling World Cup starts this afternoon at the Velodrome in Changquan O. The three day event features 300 riders from 43 nations. Hong Kong have a team of 11 riders. Sarah Lee, looking for her first World Cup gold on home ground, comes in having won the women's sprint in the previous leg in New Zealand. She's competing in a team sprint today alongside teammate Vivian Ma. Results in the World Cup are calculated towards qualifying
0: for the 2020 Olympic Games. And that's your look at sports. Thanks, Adam. Now to headlines again. A top bi- microbiologist says all kindergartners need to be give, given flu vaccines. And developers started work on just 2,000 flats over the last quarter of 2018, down 74% year on year. The news from RTHK.